and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland and I'm so excited to be here with you. So I'm in the middle of refinishing and painting my kitchen cabinets right now. And it's a big job and for the past month, my sewing room has turned into a painting room. All my projects are hidden, my supplies and fabrics are covered with drop cloths, um, and I've moved two huge tables into the room to serve as painting surfaces. It's unusable as a sewing room right now. Um, so I've actually had the pleasure of taking some sewing into the office so I can make some progress during my lunch hour. Now, we're really lucky in the office because we work with different companies to get the latest and greatest products to test out, um, to use in our videos, for photography purposes. So we have really nice and high quality tools, sewing machines, furniture, you know, all that great stuff in our in our office's sewing space. And just using these really nice products in the office the past few weeks has really put into perspective what I love about my own sewing space and also little upgrades I'd like to make to help my sewing experience be easier and more enjoyable. And it's not always about spending a lot of money to replace products or buy new items, um, although sometimes it is. <laughs> um, sometimes it's just up dating something you already love and just a little way to make it work better for your needs. Later in the show, we're actually going to explore in a little more depth what items our staff splurges on and what things we skimp on. But right now, I want to give just a few examples of how to upgrade your tools in a really meaningful and purposeful way um, to make your sewing life easier. So first, Let's chat about the tools um, where it may make sense to spend the money and upgrade. So many quilters get their starts with tools passed down from maybe family members or other quilters, um, or they may just buy cheaper tools at the beginning since when you're investing in a brand new hobby, uh, the bills can start to add up pretty quickly when you're buying everything. So if this kind of sounds familiar to you, um, and your older and maybe your cheaper tools aren't serving you the best anymore, treat yourself to an upgrade. Uh, same thing goes for any damaged tools you've been making do with. So if you have the money, upgrade a few of your most used tools, um, maybe like fabric scissors, seam rippers, acrylic rulers, cutting mat, um, maybe it's even your sewing machine. Um, also, items like rotary cutter blades, pins, and needles, those things often get used way past the point of being sharp. <laughs> so treat yourself to some brand new replacement packs of your favorites. Um, I'm definitely guilty of using slightly bent pins instead of just discarding them and buying a new set when needed. Does anyone else do this? 
I don't know how many times I get frustrated that I am using a bent pin and why don't I just buy some new ones? <laughs> so sewing machines, they're an expensive investment for your sewing space. Um, and many times they're worth the investment, um, especially with just how technology is going and kind of the upgrades they've made over the years. And it's it's one of your most used supplies. So it's definitely worth the research and the money to find one you really love. Uh, but if you have an older machine or one without all the bells and whistles, there are some easy ways to make your machine work a little harder for you. My coworker Elizabeth owns a vintage Singer machine. She absolutely loves it, uh, but was also a little frustrated with it because she felt like she was doing just a little extra work to achieve the same outcome as some of the fancier sewing machines. She recently brought to my attention that some companies actually sell upgrades for vintage machines, um, especially singers, since a lot of people collect those. Um, and they're items like um, a thread cutter that you can attach to the side of your machine, an attachable bobbin pin that works with modern thread spools, and even a magnetic seam guide to help you get that accurate quarter inch seam. So instead of buying a whole new machine, you might just want to do a quick Google search um, and you may actually find some cheap upgrades to address some of the pain points on your older machines. Um, I know I, I don't myself own a fancy machine at all. Um, I just have a pretty straightforward, simple one and I'm always surprised at kind of the tools out there that help kind of upgrade these simple machines to do some of these fancier things. Let me share one more example of letting the sewing machine solve a problem for you. So my coworker Allison likes to mark her quilt tops with a Hera marker um, to plan out her quilting designs. So she frequently does straight lines or echo quilting, so she's spacing her quilting lines evenly within blocks or across the quilt top. And she just bought a guide that attaches to her walking foot that lets her measure and space her quilting lines evenly without the work of marking it manually. So that's one little upgrade that has saved her a lot of time in her quilting process. So there seems to be solutions for a lot of things. So if you find yourself annoyed with something while sewing, there's probably already a small tool to help on the market already because it's most likely someone else has already had the problem you're having and invented a genius solution that we can all benefit from. So sometimes the upgrades you make in your space are like buying more of something or just altogether a brand new tool to make things easier. So for example, if you only own a few acrylic rulers, maybe you're struggling with trimming triangle squares or flying geese units, um, you, you may just want to invest in a ruler specifically made to trim those units. I know for years I avoided buying new acrylic rulers because I just think they're kind of a pain to store. Um, but I did finally buy one that could trim triangle squares, and it's been a real game changer. My coworker Beth shared um, an example with me of when buying more of something made her life easier. 
she was constantly spending time winding bobbins. Uh, she likes to uh, sew and quilt with uh, specific thread colors instead of maybe just one neutral. Uh, so she felt like she was just kind of wasting thread when she had to unwind a bobbin to make room for another thread color. Um, so she just bought a few more packs of bobbins, and then she always has them available now for a new color, um, or if she wants to wind multiples at a time when she's starting a new project. Uh, similarly, I recently just bought another pack of basting pins because I was always running out when basting my larger quilts and then having to kind of space my pins farther than I'd like. And now I have always enough for my needs. So uh, they're just simple things and they're not expensive, but uh, sometimes we as quilters seem to suffer unnecessarily when it comes to some of these simple solutions. And lastly, uh, I just want to take a minute to talk about making your furniture more ergonomic. So your health is important, and the furniture we start sewing with does not always accommodate us when we age um, or we deal with other physical changes or needs. So one easy upgrade you can make is to just make sure that your sewing table, cutting table, and ironing board are all at the right height for you. So most ironing boards can be adjusted to a few different heights. Um, like a big dummy, I did not know that this was a thing, and I had mine set to the highest setting, and I had been having shoulder soreness every time I had to press a lot of units. And then I found this out, and it was such an easy fix to just put it down to a lower setting, but um, not all ironing boards are adjustable, so if you find that you're... I'm having the same problem I am. Check if yours is adjustable, if you did not know that. Um, and if it's not, maybe maybe just put an adjustable one on your, your birthday list. <laughs> um, also, your cutting table should be at hip height when you're standing at it. And your sewing table should allow for your elbows and your knees to both be at a 90 degree angle when you're sitting to sew. So the easier solution is if your tables are too low, um, and the solution is you can lift them up with bed risers. Um, you can buy them pretty cheap for uh, just a lot of different heights, so you can find the right height you need and then just add them to the table legs. If your cutting table is too tall, there's not an easy solution for that, but with your sewing table, you could invest in a taller chair um, and then some sort of footstool underneath your table that allows your, your feet and knees to be at the right angle. Um, so you can just sit comfortably while you sew. So there are some solutions if you're finding that uh, you're experiencing some pain or some discomfort when you're sewing. Um, you don't have to get all new furniture. Sometimes it's little easy things. And of course, don't forget lighting. Your eye health is important too. So I love having LED lights in my space because they're long-lasting um, and they're, uh, they help you see true colors of fabric and thread. So this is actually an upgrade I'm making to all of my lights in my home, not just my sewing room. Uh, but if you need additional light in your space, maybe add a lamp or even you can get small little direct lights that you can attach to your machine to light up your sewing space a little better. So as you can see, there are many, many different ways to upgrade your tools. 
Uh, but whatever pain points you're having in your sewing life, there's probably a solution for it or a tool that can help. And if you're sewing a lot, it's nice to treat yourself to an upgrade every once in a while. You deserve it. So we're really excited to share these tips because this week's Sweet Quilty Home Challenge is to upgrade one tool in your sewing space. For those who don't know, our Sweet Quilty Home Challenge is uh, lasting for 10 weeks this summer. It ends on September 12th, so we're nearing the end. And each week we issue a challenge on our podcast and social media pages. So you can visit our show note for a link to the Sweet Quilty Home page on our website where we list details of each week's challenge and a lot of other helpful resources. We're going to take a quick ad break, but hang tight. When we come back, we're sharing tips for getting over procrastinating on a project. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Now it's time for UFO Challenge, a segment where we address common finishing problems so that you can complete your UFOs. And today I wanted to talk about procrastination when it comes to UFOs. Many times the reason the project became a UFO in the first place is because we procrastinated on finishing it. Uh, either because we got distracted by other events or even other quilts in our lives, or because we got stuck on part of the process and pushed the project aside until we had the time or skills to pick it up again. One of my favorite ways to combat procrastination in really any area of my life is to rearrange my life so that it's easy to complete the task and hard to ignore it. So by making the task hard to push aside, we're confronted with finishing it and we're forced to set ourselves up for success. So let me share a few examples of what this might look like in your own space and your own sewing life. Having your UFO out on your workstations so that it's easy to make progress on, but hard to move out of the way to work on another project. So you're much more likely to work on that UFO project if it's ready to cut, sew, or press than if it's hidden away in a box somewhere. Maybe challenge a friend or family member to tackle their own hard task they're procrastinating on once a week while you work on your UFO. And if one of you skips it, you owe the other person a little treat. This makes it easy to work on your UFO since you're doing it to kind of have fun with a friend, but hard to ignore since you don't want to lose. Maybe declare a UFO day once a month. Put it on your calendar, cancel your plans, stock up on favorite snacks, and get rid of all distractions. Because you've intentionally set aside the time to work on UFOs, you'll be more excited to make progress 
and make the most of that day. And because you've already canceled plans and eliminated distractions, it'll be harder to put off the project in favor of other things that come up. And lastly, use the art of pairing. So um, maybe tell yourself you can only watch your favorite TV show if you're working on your UFO. That way, the pleasant experience of indulging in your favorite show is paired with the possibly unpleasant one of working on your UFO, and things kind of balance each other out. So I would love to know what other examples you have of making it easy to finish your UFO and hard to ignore it. I'd love to hear it um, and maybe even share it on an upcoming episode. So email us at apqpodcast at merith.com. Now I'm handing the mic over to Doris Brunette, the editor of Quilt Sampler Magazine, for What's on Your Workspace, a segment where we share what we're working on now. Take it away, Doris. Like a lot of quilters, I tend to have more than one project going on at the same time. I went to a retreat last month, and it was a five-day retreat, so I was able to finish a few things up, including a Christmas, uh, scrappy Christmas quilt top that I started um, between the holidays last year. And I'm excited to get that off to the quilter and get that finished up. What's on my design wall right now is a memory quilt. Uh, it's a little bit different. Um, a friend of mine lost her six-year-old daughter to a congenital disease last year, and uh, I offered to make a memory quilt for her. So there's a lot of cute t-shirts with princesses and ballerinas and unicorns and that sort of thing. Uh, and I was inspired because there's a lot of them that have butterflies in them. So I cut a bunch of smaller butterflies out of different pieces of clothing that I'm applicating in the center of the quilt. And there's a block that I have cut some like cute little pocket patches out of like the pockets on the back of her jeans and that sort of thing. And hoping this really gives the mother a lot of comfort when I gift this back to her. The other project that I pulled out when I came home from retreat was a Christmas tree skirt that I started right after Christmas in January. Um, it's inspired by one that my mom had made that was on our tree when I was growing up. It's a little town scene. Hers was a town scene. It was made all in felt, but she had all stitched all kinds of fun little details into it. The one I'm making is appliqued. Um, I fussy cut a bunch of... Uh, like little houses, cars, snowmen, trees, deer, that sort of thing, out of novelty fabrics and fuse them on. There's even a Christmas tree lot in my little town. Eventually, I'll add embroidery details and quilt it. And finally, this year, my Christmas tree will have a proper tree skirt. Thanks so much, Doris. I always love hearing what other quilters are working on. And Doris sounds like she's really busy. <laughs> So I can't wait to see all of her finishes, um, and we'll link to Doris's Instagram page and our show notes if you want to follow her and see her photos. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we'll be sharing some thrifty sewing tips and details on a quilt along. Welcome back. Now it's time for Sew Thrifty, a new segment this year featuring tips for making the most of your money and tools as you sew. I'm handing the mic over to Joanna Bergerino, the editor of Quilts and More magazine, to share more. Take it away, Joanna. 
Today on Sew Thrifty, we're going to explore buying sewing products and when it makes sense to save money versus when it's better to spend the extra cash for a more expensive product that makes the process a little bit easier or more enjoyable. There have definitely been times in my sewing when I tried to save a little money by using a not quite right product that did not work out as planned. Usually it's when I'm trying to swap in things I have on hand in my stash, like using a different weight of interfacing or a fusible product that's too old to stick properly because the glue has worn down over time. I decided to take this question to our American Patchwork and Quilting staff and play a little game that I call Skimp or Splurge. I sent out a list of product categories and asked my coworkers if, in general, they skimped or splurged on each. So first up we have fabric. This one was easy. It was almost unanimous. Everybody splurges on fabric. As one person put it, fabric is the most visible part and if I fall in love with a print or fabric line, I don't care how much it costs. Plus, high quality fabric holds up better and is easier to work with. You can save a little money by utilizing sales at your local quilt shop and points from any loyalty programs, but definitely don't skimp on fabric. Next up is thread. Similar to fabric, this one was almost unanimously voted as a splurge. A lot depends on your particular sewing machine. If your sewing machine isn't picky, the cheaper threads might be okay. Check if they're tending to break a lot or if you're having any tension issues. But if you're not, a cheaper all-purpose thread might work for you. But most of our staff prefers the quality of splurge-priced thread, specifically Aurifil thread. That came up repeatedly as a favorite. The next category is interfacing, which is our first skimp product. Most of us use what's on hand in our stash or leftover product from past projects. A few sewers who use interfacing often for things like bags have favorite weights and brands that they often can find at big box craft supply stores. They tend to buy those in bulk and keep them on hand, swapping those in for a particular brand that a pattern might call for. The nice thing about using a particular readily available type of interfacing that you're used to is you have a sense of how the interfacing works and what kind of body it's going to give your finished project. It takes out some of the guesswork. Batting is our next category and it is the first product that had a 50-50 split. Most of us don't have firm opinions one way or the other about whether you should skimp or splurge on batting, and a few mention that they send their projects out to be machine quilted anyway, which means the machine quilter chooses the batting and they have no idea. The use of your finished project does matter. How will it be used? Is it going to be used often? Washed a lot? Well loved? If so, the quality of what's inside the quilt sandwich does matter. Regardless, watch for coupons and sales as batting goes on sale fairly often regardless of the brand and price point. Rotary cutters and rulers. This one was also almost an even split, but in the end, Splurge won out by one vote. Most of us have our favorite brands that we don't want to devia deviate from regardless of price, which I think is why it was so close to an even split. Some favorite brands include Omnigrid rulers, Block lock rulers, and Ulfa rotary cutters. 
Scissors, another splurge. This is not really a surprise. Our team likes to splurge. We did have a few dissenting voices that said as long as the blades are sharp and your scissors cut well, they're willing to skimp. But overall, our quilters feel that more costly scissors just work better. A special shout out goes to Karen K. Buckley Scissors, which came up several times as, quote, worth every penny, end quote. Pins. This one was a skimp. As long as your pins hold your fabric together and they're sharp, most of us were not too picky and were willing to save a few bucks when buying new pins. And finally, we have irons. This one actually surprised me. I thought it would be a splurge, but it was actually a skimp and by a large margin. Many mention that most irons will eventually leak regardless of their price point, and some inexpensive irons actually work better than the expensive ones they had purchased in the past. A lot depends on the individual model of iron, and many people suggested that you should check reviews before buying any iron. So there you have it. It seems our staff prefers to invest the money in their favorite hobby, or to watch for sales to buy the expensive products at the lowest price possible. A few longtime quilters on staff did mention that they skimped much more in the beginning when they first started out quilting and sewing versus now and slowly they replace their cheaper products and habits over time. If anyone is curious, my personal results were that I splurge on fabric, rotary cutters, and rulers, but I skimp on thread interfacing, batting, irons, scissors, and pins. Uh, apparently I'm in the eh, I'll make it work camp, which makes sense because I'm the one who hosts so thrifty. Thanks, Joanna. That's so interesting to hear about our staff's results on whether they splurge or skimp. Um, I'm kind of on the opposite end of Joanna. I told her I splurged on almost everything. <laughs> um, but I will say I only intentionally buy what I will use. So I do a lot of research before purchasing things to just make sure that they're quality items and they'll last me a long time. And I really genuinely only buy batting and fabric that I have a plan for. Um, but no matter where you fall on the spectrum of the skimp versus splurge, you're not alone and there's no right or wrong way to do it. Okay, I'm throwing it back to Joanna now to share about a new quilt along. So go ahead, Joanna. Today for behind the scenes, I'm going to share with you some details about the upcoming 2021 Quilts and More Quilt Along quilt, which is called Soft and Spooky by designer Jessica Dayon. It's 82 and a half inches square finished, which is a large throw, but what, one thing I really like about it is it's very versatile, so you can add some extra borders to make it bed size if you like, with really about a whole lot of difficulty, just make the borders a little bit bigger. I love the color palette. It uses the Kitty Corn Fabric line by Urban Chicks for Moda Fabrics, which is a Halloween line that has vintage-looking cats and jack-o'-lanterns. It kind of amuses me because I've never really liked Halloween very much, so I have made absolutely zero Halloween quilts in my life, but I loved the line so much, and the layout in the quilt is just so pretty that I think I'm actually going to break that streak and make one for myself. I used to laugh in the office because... In my head, it was called the Spot the Cat quilt because when you cut up the piecework, the pieces for the blocks, there'd be these little bits of cats you could see in the prints, and they'd be in different positions in each block. So it kind of became an I Spy game for me. 
it probably was only funny to me, but it did make me chuckle and gave me a little game to play as I was working on the pattern. The quilt along goes from September 13th to November 1st, which is just past Halloween, but if you cheat the schedule a little and sew ahead, you might even be able to finish it in time for the holidays. We've broken it down into sections, starting with the plus sign blocks that make up the majority of the quilt and then moving on to the dot blocks and star blocks to finish it up. It's a really easy project, but it leaves you a lot of room to play around with fabrics. I'm gonna be joining the quilt along too. And since I got to see the project early, I actually got a little bit of a jump start on mine, which is good because, uh, as Lindsay knows, I have a bad habit of not finishing my quilt along quilts. Jessica mentioned that she designed the quilt to show off one particular fabric line, but it would also work great as a scrappy quilt. I combined both of her ideas and broke into two Christmas collections that I had been saving from designer Kate and Birdie Paper Co. from Moda Fabrics. And then I added in some scraps of holiday fabrics that were from past Christmas sewing projects, but I couldn't bear to part with. Uh, I know, I know, I just said I was going to make a Halloween quilt, but I couldn't help myself. I love Christmas way more than Halloween, so I decided to do Christmas. I think the only solution is I'll have to make two, a Christmas and a Halloween one. So if you'd like to join in and maybe watch my progress on my very ambitious double holiday quilts I'm attempting, uh, you can get more details at allpeoplequilt.com slash quiltalong. Thanks, Joanna. I am so excited for this quilt along. Uh, I actually just got done shooting some videos to share during the quilt along that have some tips and tricks. So um, I hope you can join in. And of course, Joanna just cracks me up. Like she said, she's always finishing the quilt along quilts just years later. Um, and now she's making two. <laughs> so we'll all have to cheer her on. Um, and we'll link to all the info about the quilt along in the show notes. So that you can sew along with us. And that's all we have for today, so everyone have a great week. Hi all, and thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week. <laughs>